The Bible is a powerful word of God and it touches lives. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't understand why people would just want to continue in their sin. When I got saved, it, God changed my life. And when I got saved, marijuana was a big thing. Everybody smoked marijuana when I first got saved. In the 70s, everybody was smoking marijuana. Everybody made excuses. Well, it's just an herb. Just an herb. God made the herbs. And I remember I told them that when they said, God made the herbs, it's, it's a blessing from God, marijuana. And I said, well, God made poison ivy too, but you don't use it for toilet paper. <laughs> Amen. Hello. Praise God. St. John chapter 11. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Thank you, Jerry, Don, for getting me hollered up here, hooked up. Verse 1 through 4. We're going to look at verse 11 through 15. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with their hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Let me stop right here and shout out something. No believer ever dies. It's always for the glory of God. We don't die. We just change areas. Amen? And, and by the way, we're getting ready to change areas soon, I believe. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he had said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto Lazarus. I want to use for a subject tonight, my friend is dead. You may be seated. My friend is dead. How many have ever had a friend die? Every, every hand in this house goes up. Yes, we've had friends die, loved ones die. And we could say truthfully with, with, with sorrow and, and pain in our heart, our friend is dead. But we need to remember something that's very powerful. They're only dead to us. They only sleep down here, but they're awake up there. They're only dead to us. They're not dead to God. God is the God of the living, not of the dead. When someone dies, they don't die per se. They just simply change where they're, where they're at. They change locations. As a child of God, no sickness is unto death. Because as a child of God, a sickness is going to glorify God either way. I glorify God in my living for Jesus. 
We glorify God in going to church and serving the Lord. We glorify God. And if we don't glorify God while we're living, we will glorify God when we're dying. Everyone glorifies God. Amen? Uh, 47 years ago, I had my best friend who was killed in a tragic train and car wreck. He was so mutilated that you could not even tell uh, that he was human, basically. The train just killed him and his father at the same time. And uh, he was my best friend. Uh, we grew up together. We were very close. And when Melvin died 47 years ago, I never will forget the words that my brother said to me on that early Saturday morning. David comes to my house and he says, Melvin is dead. There's nothing more heartbreaking than to hear someone say that your friend is dead. Lazarus is a friend to his sisters, a friend to Martha and Mary. Lazarus was a friend to others. Lazarus was dead. We need to understand that God Almighty wants us to trust him no matter what we're going through. My friend is dead. But my friend has a friend. Hello. My friend has a friend. To me, my friend is dead. There's nothing I can do about that. I can't dig him up. I can't make him live again. I can't put back in him life. My friend is dead. It's out of my ability to give life to my friend. I've had other friends die and they're dead to me. I can't give them life. I cannot change their situation. My friend's been in the grave for 47 years now. I can't change that. No matter how hard I would try to change death, I can't change death. My friend is dead. But my friend has a friend and I have a friend. And my friend and your friend, if you're a Christian, is Jesus Christ. They went to Jesus Christ when Lazarus was sick and said, you're, the one you love is sick. And they thought that Jesus would immediately come and heal Lazarus, but he didn't come. He waited two more days until Lazarus died. And it's interesting, when, when, they, when they said that uh, I'm going to go wake up. Jesus Christ said, I'm going to go wake up. I'm going to, my, our friend Lazarus is asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. And Lazarus' other friend said, well, if he's sleeping, that's good. You know, you get better when you sleep. And Jesus Christ says, you're kind of thick-headed, aren't you? Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad that he's dead. Because I'm going to show you that Lazarus has a friend that can do what you as his friends cannot do. I'm glad that I have a friend that can do for me what I cannot do for my other friends and do for me what I can't do for myself. Jesus Christ says, I'm going to go wake him up. Now, Lazarus was dead. There was nothing Martha could do about it. There was nothing that Mary could do about it. There was nothing that the friends could do about it. In fact, he was so dead 
That sounds crazy. So dead, little dead, quite dead, some dead, dead, dead. I mean, if you're dead, you're not really dead. You're not mostly dead. You're not partly dead. If you're dead, you're dead. It's one degree, dead. Right? And so he was so dead that they buried him. It was in the Middle Eastern sun. They had to get him put in a cave quickly because he was going to start decomposing. And I want you to understand something that's very beautiful. When Martha comes to Jesus Christ, Jesus approaches the graveyard outside the city of Bethany. And when he approaches that place, the sound is, Jesus Christ is coming. Lazarus is already tucked away in a tomb. No one could help Lazarus. He was dead. But Jesus Christ is just on the outskirts of that graveyard. And Martha hears that Jesus is coming. Martha runs to Jesus and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And of course, Jesus Christ said, well, your brother will rise again. Well, I know, Lord. He'll rise again in the last day in the resurrection. No, Martha, Martha, listen to me. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. Did you know Jesus Christ mentioned the rapture right there? He really did. He said, well, I thought the rapture was hidden. Well, it was hidden. Paul revealed it to us. But notice it says in verse 25 of John 11, Jesus says unto Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Graveyard dead. In the grave. But notice in verse 26, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. That's you and me. Hello? I mean, God's got you covered whether you're in the grave or out of the grave. God's got you covered by his might and by his power whether you're in the graveyard or out of the graveyard. And so Martha goes to... Uh, uh, tells Mary, the master's come, calls for you. And what does Mary do? Mary shows up and says, Lord, you'd been here. My brother would not have died. I, I just wish you'd have been here because you could have stopped it. Well, let me just share two little thoughts with you tonight. I'm not going to keep you long, but I just want to say this. My friend, Jesus Christ, makes graveyard calls. You know, a doctor used to make house calls. Well, my friend Jesus Christ makes graveyard calls. And that's what Jesus Christ was coming to do. He was going to make a graveyard call. Amen? And he says to them, where have you laid him? And they went and showed Jesus Christ where Lazarus was in a cave and he was buried. And Jesus Christ groaned in the spirit because he's making a graveyard call. And he's standing outside that tomb. And he says to those around, take away the stone. And the sister of Lazarus said, well, Lord, he decomposed by now. He's, well, she used the phrase, he stinketh by now. Amen. And Jesus Christ said, if you'll just believe, you'll see the glory of God. And I want to say right there, I smell a miracle. Amen? When everything's going wrong in your life, I smell a miracle. 
And so Jesus Christ is making a graveyard call to take away the stone. And when they took away the stone, the Bible says that Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. See, he made the graveyard call. And he said it loud so that Lazarus could hear and so that those around the graveyard could hear and so that you and I could hear. Hello? You know, we need to hear God. You say, I thought Lazarus was dead. No, Lazarus was asleep. Now, it takes a resurrection to wake me up if I'm asleep. But if Judy's taking a nap, I can walk into the house and say, Judy. And boy, she's up because I called her name. I called her name and she was only sleeping. Judy. Now, when I'm asleep, Judy comes in, James, James, James. And she has to go in there and bounce on the bed, pound around and say, my God, the house on fire, woman. And she said, no, you, you need to wake up. Why? Because I was not dead. I was just sleeping, close to it, but just sleeping. And so when Jesus cried with that loud voice, he was talking to someone. Who was he talking to? He was talking to Lazarus. Lazarus was somewhere where Jesus, where, where he could hear Jesus. Every time Jesus Christ raised the dead, he always called them out. Tabitha, damsel, arise. Young man, the city of Nain, arise. Jesus always called the dead to come out to him. Why? Because they're somewhere where they can hear the voice of God. Isn't that beautiful? There's somewhere where they can hear the voice of God. They, they are, and Lazarus was there where he could hear the voice of God. And when he heard the voice of God, the Bible says he came out of the tomb. He came out of the tomb with grave clothes. He came out of the tomb victorious. He was raised from the dead. Isn't that good? Well, y'all be shouting right there. That's just good stuff. Now, not only does Jesus make graveyard calls, and one day he's going to make a big graveyard call. Hello? Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He makes graveyard calls. One day he's going to make a big graveyard call. Amen? Now let me stop right here because I want to say my friend makes house calls too. Now, if we're unfortunate enough to go to the graveyard, Jesus still makes graveyard calls. But if we're not in the graveyard yet, got some good news. He makes house calls. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad Jesus makes good house calls? Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 44. St. Luke chapter 8, verse 44. And I'll show you a house call that Jesus Christ made. Notice verse 41 of chapter 8 of St. Luke. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, 
And he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he should, or that he would come to his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. I personally believe that the little girl was probably already dead. But Luke says she was laying there dying. And she was when, when Jairus left the house. Verse 49, and while Jesus yet spake, he was speaking to the lady that was cleansed with an issue of blood. And he said, great is thy faith, woman. Your faith has made you whole. Verse 48. But then while he's speaking, there comes one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying unto him, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Now, Immediately, someone says to Jesus, your daughter's dead, trouble not the master. Basically, it's saying to Jesus, you don't need to make a house call. And Jesus says, no, I've come to your house. I intend to make the house call. I love what Jesus said in verse 50. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he had came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, and John, and the mother and the father. No one leaves mama out. Mama's going to be up there no matter what. And mother of the maiden. And, and all wept and bewailed her, but he said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed at Jesus, laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. What'd they know? They knew she was dead. They knew that this girl was dead. And Jesus Christ said, no, 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 no. He put them all out, verse 54, took her by the hand and called saying, maid arise. He had already said she just sleeps. He said, to us, people are dead. But to Jesus, they're just asleep. And the Bible says when he says, made arise, her spirit came again, and she arose straightway and commanded, he commanded them to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Jesus makes house calls. Now, if you're sick, Jesus makes house calls. Who can afford going to a doctor anymore? Jesus makes house calls, Amen. And we need to understand that to the world, it looks like everything is fixed by medicine or surgery or some type, and, and things are fixed by medicine. Things are fixed by surgery. Uh, they are, I thank God for good doctors. I thank God that we got doctors that have enough, you know, they have a lick of sense in one eye. They know how to deal with uh, people's problems. And, and I mean, no, the doctor and Jesus are on the both, they were, they're on the same side. Hello. I remember I told my doctor, I said, you're, you're calling, you're called of God. He said, you're a healer. That's what I said to the doctor. I said, you're a healer. He said, I'm not a healer. God's a healer. I said, that's true, but you're working on his side. Amen. He said, I never thought of it like that. I said, well, it's high time you start thinking like that. I said, you're on the same side as Jesus. Now, when you stop and think about Jesus, when he died on the cross, you would have to say, my friend is dead. 
when Jesus Christ died on the cross, you'd have to say, my friend is dead. But Jesus had a plan. He said, if you tear down this body, if you destroy this temple, in three days, I will raise it back up. This he spake of his body, his temple being the body. And so Jesus Christ had a plan. When those disciples looked at Jesus at that Calvary Golgotha's hill, when those people looked at Jesus, he was dead. And many of those disciples would walk away saying, my friend is dead. But how many know their friend, Jesus Christ, is the author and giver and finisher of life eternal. And no one dies in the presence of Jesus Christ, not even himself. Now, he died physically. I understand that. But Jesus is life. Amen? Aren't you glad that we got a God that the graveyard doesn't upset him? Aren't you glad that we got a God that makes graveyard visits or graveyard calls? Aren't you glad we got a God that makes house calls? A God that's powerful, a God that's mighty, a God that's incredibly gracious and kind. Remember when he came close to the house, making a house call. They sent some people out to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't trouble the master, she's dead. She's dead. Don't trouble him any longer, she's dead. And Jesus said, hush, shut your mouth. She's only asleep. Oh, they laughed at Jesus. We know she's dead. And Jesus said, I know she's alive. They said, no, no, no. We know she's dead. And they laughed at him. And Jesus said, no, I know she's just asleep. And I'm going to go up into the upper room where she's at, and I'm going to wake her up. Amen? I don't know about you, but that just thrills my heart. When Jesus Christ says, I'm going to wake her up, and he did. He called, her, called to her, and she come up out of that bed, resurrected, given eternal life. Isn't that good? I'm going to close with a couple of verses in Thessalonians. Or, no, let's go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I want us to look at, no, chapter 2. I'm going to change my mind here. That's why I got a clean mind. I change it a lot. Chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What's that verse say? That verse says that if you are a child of God, God knows it. I know some people that they don't know they're a child of God, but God knows if they are. Amen. If you call them people that have doubt and unbelief about their salvation. But God knows exactly if he's put his seal on them. What's that seal for? What is that seal for? Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. What is that seal for? That seal is for God's possession. God is saying, you're mine. And no matter what happens to the world, you're still mine. No matter what happens to you, you're still mine. You're still covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom also you trusted, having that you had heard the word of truth. How many of you heard the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of what? Promise. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not all that thrilled about you making me a promise. Now, I'm glad that you would make me a promise. Look at me. But I don't trust you. But I trust God. Amen? I believe it's in Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God cannot lie. Promised before the world began. Before God ever made a blade of grass, he promised us eternal life. And when we come to Jesus Christ, God seals us, and he seals us out of ownership. And he also seals us to preserve us. Notice it says in that verse 13 that he seals us um, with the Holy Spirit of promise. God has made a promise. What is that promise that God has made us? That he makes graveyard calls. That he makes house calls. That none will be lost. According to John chapter 10, um, the Father gave me you. The sheep know my voice. They, I know them. They know my, me by name. They know my voice. They come to me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. What is that promise? That promise is once God touches down in your life, God is promising you he'll get you to heaven. You know, that's good. That's really good because I don't know the way there. I've never been there. You know, I can make it to Sparta okay. I can go to Brunner okay. I can go to Ava okay. I can go to Springfield okay. But if I'm going to go to 10 buck two, I don't know where 10 or buck or two is. Amen? Hello? Remember, Jesus Christ said in John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Hello. Thomas says, well, how do we know the way? Hello. Thomas says, we don't know the way. How do we know the way? Thomas, I just told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I come again, receive you unto myself to take you where I am because I am the way, the truth, and the life. I just told you that I'm the way. Isn't that good? And so God seals us under the day of promise or he seals us with a promise that God is going to take care of us. Now you're ready for the grand finale. You're ready for the good one. I mean the awesome one. Verse 30 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. Here it is. This is the good one. This, I mean, th it's all good. Amen. Hello. And I'm not using poison ivy for toilet paper either. Look at verse 30. Chapter 4. Ephesians. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Don't give me that sad, pitiful look you've got. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, I'm just so down. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Don't give me them sad puppy eyes. 
Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed into what day? The day of redemption. Isn't that good? Well, I haven't reached that day of redemption yet. Oh, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm saved and know I'm going to heaven, but I've not reached that day of redemption. That day of redemption is when I step over on the other side and go, glory! Woo! Hallelujah! I'm home! That's the day of redemption. Isn't that good? And so when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds of glory, he's coming after those that are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's coming for those that are made a promise, and he's coming after those that are, that are his, that he knows those that are his. Amen? And he's coming to bring redemption to us. I've been saved spiritually. My soul's been saved. My spirit's been saved. But my body, my body isn't there yet. My body's slowly trying to catch up and it's dissolving along the way. My body needs a miracle. That miracle is we'll be changed in the moment and twinkle and I caught up to meet Jesus in the air. We will be changed into a glorious body. Our redemption is not complete until we're on the shores of glory in our brand new body. Amen? Isn't that good? Our redemption is not complete until God saves us spiritually, by our soul, and physically. God intends to save us body, soul, and spirit. Why? Because we're made in the image of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. We're made in the image of God, spirit, soul, and body. God come to redeem us after his own image, after his own likeness. God is coming to give us a full salvation. That's good stuff. How many would agree that's really good stuff? And, and we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus Christ said that that little girl, when he made the house call, she's just sleeping. And they laughed at him and said, she's dead. We know she's dead. And Jesus Christ says, get out. Don't you just sometimes want to tell people, get out. Amen. I remember one time I had a guy tell me in a convenience store, he said, you go to hell. And I looked at him and said, I can't. He said, you can't? I said, no, I can't. I'm a born again child of God. I can't go to hell. He stuttered around there for a few minutes and said, well, go to heaven then. I said, I will. Thank you. Isn't that good? Amen. And so being redeemed by the blood of the lamb, God makes house calls along the way. He wants to bless us, help us, strengthen us. But if it gets to the point where we go to the graveyard, it still doesn't matter. For the child of God, you can't go too far away for God's arm to reach you. For a child of God, you can't go too far into the sleep, deep sleep, even the sleep of death, because Jesus Christ doesn't know anyone that's dead to him. They're only sleeping. 
Isn't that good? Amen. Now, it de devastated my life when my friend Melvin was killed. It devastated me. We were buddies. And I wasn't saved. And it devastated my life because I thought, my friend's dead. And if I'd have just had someone that could have come forward to me and said, look, he's just sleeping. It would have changed my whole grieving process because I knew that he had, gave, he had given his heart to Jesus. I hadn't, but I knew he had given his heart to Jesus. And it would have changed my whole grieving process. We do grieve. And we are very... The Bible doesn't say that we don't sorrow. If any preacher ever tells you, suck it up, buttercup, don't you be crying. If any preacher tells you, we don't cry, we know God's got it all. Listen, any preacher acts like that, he don't have a hill of beans, a lick of sense. Because we don't sorrow as others sorrow, but we do sorrow. We don't sorrow like others sorrow, but we do sorrow. Because we have the blessed hope. We sorrow, we grieve, we're human. We struggle. But we know God has given us that Holy Spirit of promise. Amen? I, uh, I'm thankful for the fact that God is a just God. There are so many preachers that jump to conclusions. So many people jump to conclusions. Well, bless God, if you die on your way home and you're listening to the wrong song and you have a car wreck, you're gone to hell. There's preachers that preach that way. There's preachers preach, that preach this way. If you go to bed with a bad thought on your mind, you die in your sleep, you go to hell. There's preachers that preach that way. Most of them are Pentecostal. That hurts. That really hurts right there. This hurts. But listen to me. I've had people say, well, if someone kills themselves, then they can't go to heaven because they can't ask for forgiveness if they're dead. If they shoot themselves in the head or uh, take pills and, and commit suicide, then they can't go to heaven. Anyone that says that don't know their Bible, nor do they know God. Because here's, here's the truth. It isn't the action of killing yourself that damns you or decides any. It is your heart condition. And your mind can be sick and your heart be well. Your brain's just like any other muscle. Your brain's just like a kidney or a liver, a spleen. Your, your, your brain's just like an eyeball, just like an organ. And the brain can get sick too. And don't you tell me that if a person gets so sick that they kill themselves, that God won't forgive. That's just not, that's just not Bible. So, well, they couldn't repent. You need to quit being too hard on yourself and everybody else because the truth is we walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Listen, you go to bed tonight. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you're not ready for heaven. You go to bed tonight, you leave this building right now and, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't go to heaven. The truth is if God cut it off tonight, I heard a preacher say one time, he didn't need the grace of God. 
He'd grew up so much that he knew the Lord so well, he didn't even need the grace of God anymore. I heard a guy say that on national television. I'm so mature in the Lord, I don't even need the grace of God anymore. We need the grace of God. We need the mercy of God. Amen. And so I want everybody to know that God, if God be for you, who can be against you? And I want you to know when God seals you, he has guaranteed your arrival to heaven. God's bigger than we think. He's much bigger than we think. You say, well, preacher, you just sound like that you can do anything and still go to Listen, I, do, I drink all I want. I just don't want to. I, you know, I, I do things, I curse all I want. I take all the drugs I want. I just don't want to. And if I want to, then there's something wrong with me. I've got liver disease, and it's not the kind of liver I'm talking about physically. I've got living disease. Amen? Everybody needs a liver healing. And I'm not talking about that, muscle, that, that liver that purifies your body. We need a liver change, how we live for God. Isn't that good? Amen? Isn't that good? The preacher, you're just too soft. Really? Really? Come on. Give me a break. The truth is, I'm not too soft. God is too strong. God is too strong. If we willfully and deliberately sin and, de and hate God and, and transfer our allegiance from God to the devil, then we are in dire need and we are we're in danger of losing our life. But as long as we want to, that is go to heaven, we get to. Ah, oh, preacher, I'm not used to this kind of preaching. I know they just skin your hide and scald you all the way through the churches you've been in, and you feel so bad. Anybody ever went to church and you left church feeling like, man, I should have never went? Anybody felt that way? How many ever went to church and left feeling like you hadn't been? That don't happen here. You come to church here, you know you've been here. Amen? And so tonight, I want to say to all of you in this room, my friend, Melvin, is dead. And there's nothing I can do about it. He's been in the grave for 47 years. I cannot do a thing. But he has a friend. And I have a friend that makes graveyard calls. Isn't that good? And, and someone may be sick at home. Someone may have cancer. Someone may have, uh, you know, a, a dreadful disease and it's, it's terminal. The truth is, God makes house calls. Jesus makes house calls. Amen. He, he blesses us. He helps us. And we don't have to live in fear. We, have to, we don't have to li live in a way that we feel like God doesn't love us because God does love us. He cares about us. Amen. I don't live in fear. I'm not afraid 
to go to bed tonight, even with the government that we have today. I'm not afraid to go to bed tonight. I'm not afraid of, of anything that could happen to me. I know nothing shall separate me from the love of God. I mean, when I first got saved, I was scared to death to get on a plane. Scared to death to get on a plane. And they didn't help matters because years ago they had these little insurance machines. How many remember that? How many remember them little insurance machines? That really helps a lot when you're getting ready to get on a plane. And they've got a machine here. Have you got your insurance yet? In case you die, you go down in a fiery crash, you want to take care of your mom and your papa or somebody. I mean, you buy a ticket. I can't tell you how many tickets I've bought, but several. And someone said, well, the safest thing in the world to travel in is an airplane. Well, why do they call where they land terminals? Amen? I get amused with people. Well, you know, the plane's the safest way of going. Not if you're on the one that's falling. Safest way it travels in airplanes. Because I don't even trust the stewardess anymore. I don't trust anything anymore. By the way, if you want to be insulted, board an airplane now. They'll insult you. The day they took my peanuts away is the day I hated them. <laughs> my peanuts. They're a bunch of cheap steaks. But when I first started flying, it was peanuts and some crackers, and they'd bring you a, a, a drink. And, and Actually, they'd feed, feed you lunch if you travel very far. And when I first got there, they had the peanuts that were chocolate-covered. I thought, wow, at least if I go down. The family will have insurance, and I'll be happy. <laughs> and then they give me a bag of peanuts, and they're dry. There's nothing on them, no chocolate. Looked like the stewardess had eaten the chocolate off of them. <laughs> Amen? I know you're wishing desperately that Josh was here, but anyway. <laughs> but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of flying. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm not afraid of sickness. I'm not afraid of disease. I'm not afraid of the graveyard. Why? Because I have a seal. And that seal is my guarantee that he'll get me home, that God will get me home. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Stand with me. I hope you enjoyed it tonight. Hope you got blessed tonight. Now, some of you have got a, I, I realize some of you may have a little bit of disagreement with me on the fact that someone kills himself, but folks, I'm on the people's side that have loved ones that's left this world because of that. I'm on their side. I'm on the side that God is a merciful, incredible, saving God. That's the side I'm taking. I'm taking the side of the bigness of God and the mercy of God. As they play and sing, we want to invite you to come to an altar.